0: Are they sum total of all of the decisions that you have made up to this point? That the choices you have made in the past, they determine who you are today. Think about that. The choices you have made in the past determine who you are today. And if that is true, then we could say in the same way that the choices you make today will determine who you're going to become. The choices you make today determine who you're going to be tomorrow and what you're going to do in the future. This is a good thing for us to process because, again, this is a time that we start talking about we want the good life. And we look at 2020, and many of us are are making resolutions, we're making decisions, we're making choices to help us pursue more of the good life. And that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what we should do. But one of the things we have to understand is a good life is not something that we create on our own. We said this last week in John chapter 10. Jesus said, I came to give you life and I came to give you abundant life. God came, Jesus came to give us a good life. And so as we're thinking about, man, how do I make some choices this year that will make my life a little bit better? Listen, we need to understand that the good life is rooted when we seek after God, when we seek his wisdom, when we seek his plans in our life, that he blesses those things. That he he blesses us and allows us to experience the good and abundant life. So last week was a great start to this series, uh, The Good Life. Uh, It was probably good for my own heart. We had this conversation that we uh, challenged us to choose God's purposes over our own desires. And I can't say for you, but I can say for me, it was a powerful message that God just touched my heart. Because it was a reminder to me that, that God is really God and I'm not. And and if God is God, then I'm going to let Him be on the throne. means I'm going to dedicate my life to following Him and not my own plans. And it was just a good reminder for me as I start making plans for 2020 that ultimately I want to be in step with what God wants to do and following Him. Next week, next week is going to be a good message. We're going to have a conversation. The reality is every one of us experience pain. Regardless, uh, every one of us will experience pain. The question becomes... Are you going to choose the pain of discipline, or will you choose the pain of regret? You ever thought about that? We all are going to experience pain. Are you going to choose the pain of discipline or the pain of regret? So next week, we're going to have a conversation about choosing discipline over regret. But today, today, the conversation we're going to have today is choosing surrender over control. Let me start out by asking you this. How many of you would say that you are a control freak? How many of you know you are just a control freak? All right. Some of you, you don't think you are. I've got a little quiz. I've got some questions to ask you, and you can just honestly assess yourself and kind of determine whether control is something you struggle with. Number one, how many of you have to have the TV remote? Raise your hand. How many of you are the one that has to have the TV remote? How many of you have family fights that start at home because you've got to have the remote? You've got to. Have, you know when to change the channel. You know the right volume. You've got to have the TV remote. Might be a sign. Uh, here's another one. How many of you have ever reloaded the dishwasher after somebody else has already loaded it? A few of you have done that. A few of you literally have done that. Let me just say while we're saying this, the little plates go on the right side. The big plates go on the left. Little plates go on the right. Okay, there we go. Okay. Another question for you to assess. How organized is your email inbox? How many of you have like labels for every little email? Oh, this is this color and this is this color. This goes in this. How many of you zero your email inbox out almost every day or nearly? And how many of you are like me where you have 552 emails in your inbox and some of them maybe, I don't even know what's in there. There's just a bunch of emails in there. Surely I'm not the only one. How about a couple of serious questions like this? How many of you struggle or freak out when things don't go as planned? When you make plans for a situation and they don't, don't go the way that you planned, how many of you really struggle through that and begin to freak out? How many of you always know what's best for everybody else? And so you're going through life and you're constantly telling people, hey, you should have done this. You, you ought to do this where you have this idea that maybe you call it constructive criticism, but you always know how somebody else should live their life. You don't have to raise your hand for that one. serious. How many of you, how many of you help everybody else drive, right? You're in the car with them. You need to turn here. Oh, use your blinker. Oh, oh, the, the light's green. Like how many of you are that person? Or maybe for you, again, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you just don't sit in the passenger seat. You're always in the driver's seat because you always want to have control. How many of you always have to have the last word? Oh, this is where it gets serious. Control freaks always, they know it all. They always have the most practical. They're always the most intelligent. They're more logical than everyone else. And so control freaks typically always are going to have the last word how many, of you, how many of you struggle admitting that you are wrong? doesn't matter how small the thing is. When you struggle admitting, admitting you're wrong, it's a sign that perhaps you might be a control freak. Because control freaks, man, they always got to feel they're right. And if they admit they're wrong, then that would bruise their, their fragile ego. This one's serious. In your kitchen, in your kitchen, does everything have to have a certain place for it to go? in your kitchen or maybe it's on your desk or maybe it's in your closet or maybe it's your workplace does everything have to be in its place and you go crazy if things are put and they're just left out and they're not they're not put the way that you organize them to be and here's the last one again grade yourself on this when someone mows the lawn do the lines have to be straight Yes, they do. They have to be, that's not even a control freak. That's just common sense good life. The lines have to be straight when you mow the yard. Hey, in all seriousness, I I want you to ask yourself this question on, on where do you struggle with control? When you start thinking about your life, you start thinking about the people around you, where do you fight to be in control? For some of us, like it's a major struggle. Like it is... Everything in life, we struggle and fight to control. We want to dictate the outcomes and say this is how it's going to play out. But I would say for most of us, for most of us in this room, uh, there's a a battle inside of us and a desire inside of us to control some specific area of our life. It might be for you, it might be work. We're we're at work, you know, you struggle with this idea that it has to be done my way, on my time, the way that I dictate it to be. And so sometimes delegation becomes difficult, and you almost have this idea, you know, if I want it done right, I'll just do it myself. How many of you have ever said that at work, right? Maybe for you, maybe the struggle for control is in your home. Maybe for you, when your kids, if they don't do exactly what you're told, you just, you're grounded until you're 35. Like for me, I just got ungrounded two years ago. It's amazing. Like, all that time, I was grounded. Like, how many for you, it's like a control with your kids? Maybe for you, it's, it's in relationships, where you have the desire to control those relationships around you. So, so in that relationship, that they, if they don't do what you want, you're going to uh, withhold something from them. Well, I'm not going to do this until you comply with what I expect of you. We all struggle in some capacity with this idea of, of control, of wanting to control life, control people, control situations. Where does, so where does this desire for control come from? Why do we have this longing to, to be able to control and dictate the, the course of what's going to happen around us? I think there's a couple of reasons. One reason uh, is a royalty issue. We talked about this last week. We talked about this last week where, where we like to be like on the throne, We like to be in charge. We think that we're the smartest. We think that we know what's best. And so essentially, we put ourselves in the position of God saying, I know what's best, and so I'm going to control the outcome because I'm smarter than everybody. It's a royalty issue. We aren't willing to let God be up there. We say, well, no, God, I'm going to be up here, and you can just be right next to me or right below me. It's a royalty issue. Sometimes we have to struggle with, with letting God be in control. I think the second place where sometimes uh, the source of our struggle comes from is that our control is a result of fear. Control becomes a result of our fear. We fear what might happen. We fear the unknown. We fear other people letting us down. And so what do we do? We control. We try and control the very thing that that gives us fear. And do you understand what a vicious cycle that is? that we have this fear, we have this fear that's in front of us, and so we try and control the outcome of it, and what happens is as we control, it leads to more fear. It leads to more anxiety, and it's this vicious cycle. We have fear, we control it, that control leads to more fear, and it's this revolution again and again and again. What fear does is fear cuts God out of the situation. When we have the desire for control, uh, and we ha- it's the root of fear, it's it, it essentially saying, God, I'm going to cut you out of the situation. I'm going to try and control this, because I don't want to deal with this fear that I have. And it just deals more and more and more. And so as we have this conversation on how do, we, how do we deal with this desire for control? How do we deal with this struggle where we're always trying to control everything around us? And so I want, you, I want us to look today at maybe one of the most well-known Bible verses Uh, there is. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. This is one of the most well-known Bible verses there is, but I would also say it's probably one of the hardest to actually put into practice. Like, we know this verse. We may even have a coffee cup at home that says, uh, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. But man, it is so hard to put in practice. So let's look at what, what... Let's look at this verse with fresh eyes. Let's ask God to help us truly live this idea out. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Let me ask you this. When you start thinking about the areas that you want to control, you think about that struggle for you, the question is, how much are you actually trusting God? Man, this is just a, a question you have to be honest with yourself. When you're struggling with control, when you've got this area that you want to control, how much are you actually trusting God in that situation? Because we're told to trust Him with all of our heart. In fact, and this is, where, this is where it gets difficult for me, because next, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and then He says, do not lean on your own understanding. Now, I don't know about you, I don't know about you, but oftentimes I'm trying to figure things out on my own. Oftentimes I lean on my own abilities, I lean on my own strengths, I lean on my own understanding, my own thoughts. And so pretty soon I'm not leaning and trusting on God, I'm leaning on, well, I'm smart enough to figure it out. This is what I want to see happen. And so the, control, the, the issue with control, when we struggle with control, the question is, are we trusting the Lord with all of our hearts, or are we leaning onto our own understanding, our own desires, our own thoughts? Verse 6 says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. That word acknowledge, one you might want to underline or circle in your Bible. It, it's a good translation, but I want us to understand just what... Uh, the writer means when he says uh, when he says in all of your ways, acknowledge him, because that word acknowledge is the same word that, that is found in the book of Genesis where it says that uh, uh, when it says that Adam knew Eve and they ended up having a baby together, so you get this idea that that this acknowledge is a little bit more than just acknowledge there's a lot more intimacy involved in that, even beyond that that Hebrew word can also be translated submit. And I think this idea that, the, 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 that we see here is in all your ways acknowledge him. It means that in all your ways we are to submit to him. We are to give all of ourselves over to him. So he says, trust, in the, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your understanding. In all your ways, submit those to him. And look what happens. He says, he makes straight our paths. He makes our paths straight, when so often it's you and I trying to control the situation to make things go straight. The verse just said; these verses just said that when we when we uh, trust Him with all of our heart, when we don't lean on our own understanding, when we in all our ways submit to Him, what does He do? He makes our paths straight to the good life, to what we want to accomplish. Again, this is one of these familiar passages of Scripture. You probably most of us in this room have heard before. It makes us feel good. But ultimately, when we have this desire for control, really becomes a spiritual issue. Control is a spiritual issue for us. Are we trusting in ourselves or are we going to trust in God? Are we going to lean into our own understanding or are we going to submit to God? Do we trust that God is good enough to handle whatever it is that we are going through? Because when we are in that mode where we begin to control, when we try and control situations, control people, at best, we try and maneuver God. Where we feel like, okay, well, God, I, I, I'm going to control this just to try and help you, God. I'm going to help maneuver you to do what I want you to do, God. And at worst, men control removes God from the situation altogether and this is why it's a spiritual issue because we're looking at the course of our life and saying you know what God I'm going to set you aside and I'm going to chart my course I'm going to make my paths I'm going to control the situation and then of course then we're like oh God would you bless this oh God would you make this work Even though I've removed you from the situation, I've controlled things. God, would you just bless it and make it work? Usually, when we try and control the situation, it doesn't turn out very well for us. In fact, there's an example in the Bible, an example by the guy uh, guy by the name of Abraham and and his wife, Sarah. Uh, This is a couple who, man, control was a big struggle for them. You see this consistently in their life. And so... God had given them a very specific promise. God had given them a promise and said, hey, listen, listen, Abraham, you're going to be the, the father of a great nation. God said, Abraham and Sarah, you guys are going to have a baby. And they're like, woohoo, this is awesome. And they go and they, they, they do their part. You know, they do their part. And then they take a pregnancy test. And we're like, yeah, until it comes out negative. We're like, what? God didn't, didn't God promise this? So month after month, They take the pregnancy test, and month after month, it comes back negative. Years go by. They're like, what's going on? And then they do what many of us do when God's timing doesn't comply with what we anticipate. They take matters into their own hands. Maybe there was this fear. Well, maybe God's not going to keep his promise to me. God promised me a baby, and I'm afraid because I've waited. I'm afraid God's not going to keep his promise to me. And so they do what many of us in this room do. They take matters into their own hands. They're going to try and control the situation and bring about the outcome in another way. Genesis chapter 6 tells a story that Sarah, she had a female slave by the name of Hagar. And Sarah suggests to Abe, she says, hey, hey, Abraham, because God has not given us a baby. Abraham, why don't you go and, and why don't you go be intimate with my Egyptian slave Hagar? And maybe I can have a baby through her. And Abe's like, okay, whatever. Like, I'm game for that. God's timing wasn't equal to their timing. They had a fear that God wasn't going to keep his promise. And so they do what many of us do, and they take control. They take matters in their own hands. And if you know the rest of the story, you know, it doesn't turn out well in the end. Because Abraham has a baby with Hagar. They name him Ishmael. Years later, God keeps his promise to Sarah like God had promised. And Abraham and Sarah have a baby, and they name him Isaac. So out of these two sons, you're going to see two nations arise. Out of of Ishmael, you have the Palestinians. Out of Ishmael, the line of Ishmael, you're going to actually see the prophet Muhammad born. And Isaac? Isaac becomes the father of the Jewish nation. Out of Isaac's lineage, you're going to find Jesus being born. And here we are, centuries later, we still have tension between the Palestinians and the Jews. Because they tried to take control in that situation. Centuries later, we still have this debate, do we follow Muhammad or do we follow Jesus? Because centuries earlier, Abraham and Sarah tried to take, take control and take matters into their own hands. And why is that? Because when we begin to struggle with fear, when we think we know better, we try and take control of situations. And oftentimes, it makes things worse. The story teaches us a very important lesson, something I need you to listen very carefully to. Okay, this story, this is something you may want to write down. This is something I never, ever, ever, ever want you to ever forget. Okay, here's what the story teaches us. Never sleep with a woman named Hagar. Straight up. Like, that is gold preaching right there. Okay, for reals, for reals, this is what you need to hear. You may not be tempted by a woman by the name of Hagar, but we are tempted to take control of situations that don't go the way that we want. When we begin to have fear, when we begin to think that we know better than anybody else, we take control. And what control does is control is going to lead us back to more fear. Control leads us back to more anxiety. Control typically is going to create a mess for ourselves and create a mess for the people around us. When you begin to think about situations in your life, think about times that you tried to take control. Think about times that that if you just would have submitted and trusted God, but you didn't. You said, God, I'm going to control this. And think about the mess that was created. Because I'm going to try and take control and do things my way. You may be a single dude, and you've been looking for that Christian girl. Man, I can't wait to find that Christian girl and settle down. But you can't find one, so you settle on a cute girl, right? She may not be a Christian, but, well, I'll change her, right? I'll change her. And how many of you people that have been married a lot longer, how many of you would say, yeah, you can really change your spouse. It really works really well. Good luck with that. Right? You may have a financial issue. You may have a financial issue. And maybe you've been coming to church long enough, and you know that, that, that God says to give to God first. That God says that we return a tithe to Him as worship. And that when we do that, it's freeing. When, when, we, when, we, when we give to God, it's freeing, and God blesses. But you're looking at your situation right now, and you're like, I just don't think it makes sense. It doesn't make sense for me to give to God, and so I'll take control. I'll try and make my path straight. Let me know how that works for you. Some in here recognize that God says, hey, you ought to be married. You ought to sign on the line. But you've got a little bit of fear in you. You've got the fear of, well, what if we get divorced? You've got a fear in, well, 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 what if I can't do the big wedding? What, what if what if what if these things? And so you take control and choose to do you things your way. And the reality is you are missing out on the blessing that God would give you if you walked in obedience to what He had for you. Parents. Parents. Not any of the parents in this room. These are all parents at other churches, right? You ever have the temptation to be a helicopter parent? Where you're just hovering all over your kids, controlling every little situation with your kids? So little Johnny's got a science paper due. Well, Johnny, you really got to get an A on Let me write this for you, Johnny. Hey, we laugh about it, but I, I, I read that there was a survey done by CNN or some organization and out of college grads that are age 25 and younger, college grads 25 and younger, listen to this like 15% of those college grads have mom go to the interview with them after they graduate college. Isn't that outrageous? That is crazy. That is crazy. Parents, we get in this mode where, well, all choose your classes, all choose your friends. I'll choose who you date. I'll choose where you go to school. And it's not that kids don't need to be led, but there's a difference between having an influence over your kids and having control over them. There's a big difference. Here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to get that worship folder out of your, out of your Bible. I want you to pull up your phone, pull up notes. And I actually want you to write down I want you to write down, everyone in this room, I want you to write down and name the area that you struggle with control. Write it down. Listen, if you're sitting there like, I'm not doing that, maybe you do struggle with control. You're not going to allow someone else to tell you what to do. Listen, I want you to think about, maybe it's a person, maybe it's a thing, maybe it's a circumstance. I want you to think about it. I want you to write it down. I want you to give it a name. Do you have this desire to control your kids? Maybe you want to control your grown kids because they're not raising your grandbabies right. You trying to control your finances, your job future, your spouse, your image. Which area of your life do you struggle with control? Because when you see yourself struggling with this in this area, this is why we've got to identify it. This is why it's so important for us to write it down and not just have this theoretical idea, okay, I get what struggle is, but you specifically. What is that specific area that you struggle trying to control, trying to remove God in this situation and say, I'm going to chart my course? Because when you can begin to identify what that is, when you can give it a name, What I want you to do is as you begin to thinking through, man, I'm struggling with control in this area. I want you to ask yourself this question. Will I choose control or will I choose surrender? Will I trust in the Lord with all of my heart? Or will I lean into my own understanding? Man, I I, I recognize it. I recognize that this can be difficult the question we have to wrestle with is are we willing to submit and, and surrender and are we willing to trust God? That again, as we talk about the good life, as we talk about abundant life, as we talk about wanting God's blessings in our life, are we actually willing to trust him? Are we willing to submit to him and follow what he would call for us? So here's what I want to do now. Hopefully, you've identified that area that you struggle with. I want to come just three practical ideas, three practical thoughts to help us choose surrender over control. Number one, if we're going to choose surrender over control, we've got to focus on what really matters and be willing to let go of the other things, right? Right? That when you begin to feel this fear come over you, when you feel this need to control situations, the question you have to ask is, is this really worth this much concern? Is this something that's really worth me freaking out over? Right? Because truthfully, how many of, how many of, us, we, how many of us get really upset over things that don't really matter? How many of us have arguments and issues in our relationships over things that really just don't matter? That we get in a fight with our spouse, and we get done, and we're like, man, what did we even fight about? I don't remember. Because we're fighting over things that don't really matter. Listen, this is what uh, Jesus taught this same idea in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said this. Jesus said, do not be anxious about your life, about what you eat or what you drink, nor about your body or what you'll put on. He says, it's not your life more than food and the body more than clothing. He said, Gentiles seek after these things, and yet your Heavenly Father knows you need them all. And here's what he says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be given to you. This idea that we have all sorts of decisions around us, all sorts of things in front of us, and choosing to surrender means we really begin to evaluate what truly matters and what doesn't. Now, there are things that we can just let go because they really aren't going to have a big impact. Think about this: five years from now, five years from now, how big of a deal is this going to be? In fact, there's a, a pastor by the name of Craig Rochelle. He has his leadership podcast, great podcast. If you're a podcaster, I'd highly recommend it. And Craig Rochelle said this: he said, "In terms of relationships, and I want you to think about this: in terms of relationship, you can have control." or you can have intimacy, but you cannot have both. You can have control, or you can have intimacy, but you cannot have both. And just be honest, there's some of us in this room that we are hurting the people around us. We are hurting the people that we love. We are crushing them over things that are not really a big deal in the long run. Like five years from now, five years from now, does it really matter if your husband got the wrong milk at the grocery store? But man, isn't that a big deal? You get that wrong? I mean, really? Five years from now, does it really matter that your child went to school and they weren't matching perfectly and their hair wasn't done just right? I know some of you are saying, well, yeah, it does matter. No, 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 really. Like in five years, is that going to help them get into the right college or not? See, there are some of these things that we freak out over. Some of these things that we are like, oh, no, you can't do this that ultimately, they're really not that big of a deal. And so we have to learn to focus on what really matters, the big picture. Focus on the important things so we don't crush the people around us. We freak out over these little things and literally it destroys the people around us. Craig Rochelle, the second one, in terms of leadership, in terms of leadership, think about your leadership maybe at work, maybe in your family. He says, you can have control or you can have growth, but you cannot have both. You can have control or you can have growth, but you cannot have both. That means at some point, you have to begin to empower the people around you. Listen, there are some things that have to come from the leader. Vision, uh, the culture you're creating, the mission you're trying to accomplish. Like, Like a leader has to take charge in those areas. But as a leader, if you're trying to micromanage every little thing, you're going to crush the people around you. You're going to crush the momentum. You're going to demoralize the people that are serving with you. And when you're doing that, you're going to miss out on all the good things that God is trying to accomplish through you because you're so focused on micromanaging and all the things that are going wrong. Listen, as a leader, in your work, in your home, in your school, whatever it happens to be, there's going to be times that people are going to do things different than you'd want them done. And you have to build up a tolerance for things being different than the way that you always want them to be. Listen, it's important to prioritize what matters most. And we have to remember, listen, we can have control or we can have growth, but we cannot have both. doesn't mean we don't address areas of concern. Just the question ultimately has to come to How much stress and anxiety am I putting on myself over things, little things, that I'm trying to control? How much stress and anxiety am I putting myself over little things that I'm trying to control that aren't really that big deals in the first place? So we choose to focus on what matters most. Second thing, it's going to help us choose to surrender and not control. Because we have to learn to give things to God. We have to learn to give things to God. Honestly, what happens for most of us is we're going through a situation and we've tried everything we can do. Man, man, I've got this relationship problem and, and I've, tried to, I've tried to shame them. I've tried to, to, to change them. I've tried all these different things and we get to the end of that and we're like, man, I've got nothing left else to do but to pray. Man, I've got no other choice. Now it's time to pray. Man, prayer should be our first line of defense, not our last line. Scripture teaches us. The scripture says that we can boldly go before the throne of grace. That, that, that we have access to the almighty God. And listen, he hears your prayers. The almighty God, creator of the universe, he hears every one of your prayers. This is where when we get our priorities right, we have chosen to be involved in what really matters. So we still have a part to play. I mean, if you're struggling fi- financially, as I mean, you just, okay, God, would you take care of this? No, God gave you two hands to work. God gave you an ability to spend less money than you actually uh, make. I mean, God gave you these things, but there's this freeing idea when we learn to shift this idea from placing this weight on ourselves to giving that weight to God. There's this freeing idea when we learn to say, God, God, I've been carrying this weight on my shoulders. I've been so concerned about the outcome. I've got this fear, so I'm trying to control it. And it's all on my shoulders. And God, God, there's this freeing thing when we learn to say, God, I'm going to give this to you. Or no longer I'm going to carry this on my back. No longer is it about me. Now, God, I'm going to just say, God, this is for you. Philippians 4. We read this earlier this morning. It says, Be anxious, don't be anxious about anything. But by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. The things in your life that bring you fear. The things in your life that you feel the need to control. That through prayer you say, God, I'm going to give this to you. God, I'm going to let you take the weight of this. And then he says, and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus. That this is something that we have to learn. And, And I always think about it like this transaction that when I'm feeling the weight for all of the world, when I'm feeling the fear and, and, and I'm afraid of what's going to happen, that in prayer I say, God, God, I am trusting you with all of my heart. God, I'm, I, I'm giving this to you. God, I'm, I, I, I'm giving this to you. It's off my back, and now it's on to yours. And I'll be honest, there's sometimes, i got to spend a lot of time wrestling through that. There's sometimes there's a lot of prayers of me saying, God, I'm trying to give this to you. God, I need you to take this. But I continue to pray. I continue to say, God, God, this is for you. And pretty soon that weight no longer is on me. Now I've got this confidence that the God of all creation has taken that and will chart the course. And there's a freedom that comes in just allowing God to take control of those things so it's not on our back anymore. For example, you have an issue with your spouse. Let me ask you this can you change your spouse? Some of you, you think you can. Some of you really do. Sure, you can make your spouse miserable. You can make yourself miserable. You can drive your spouse crazy. You can drive your spouse away. Listen, you might even be able to, cha- uh, to conform your spouse's behavior for a little while until they begin to resent you. But can you change your spouse? No, you can't. But can God I think God's in the business of changing people's lives. I think absolutely. And so that's where you've got an issue with your spouse. Instead of you trying to change them and control it, you begin to pray and say, God, God, I'm, I'm giving the situation to you. God, I'm, I'm trusting you. I'm giving I'm taking this off of my back and off my shoulders. And God, I'm giving this to you. And God, I'm trusting you with it. You start thinking about controlling your kids' future. I've got five kids, and I've got dreams for every one of them. Can I control their future? No, I can't. I mean, I can threaten them. I can drive them away. I can build a wall to prevent any trust between us. But can I control their future? I haven't figured out how to do it yet. I've tried. I've tried. But can God guide them? Can God lead them in ways that are right, in wise ways? Yes, God can. And so, yes, I invest in my children, but ultimately I'm praying. I'm praying to say, God, God, I'm giving these kids to you. I'm I'm transferring them off my shoulder onto you. God, I'm trusting you with all of my heart. And God, I'm praying that I'll experience that peace of knowing that you're in control that you're charting a course. So first, we have to focus on what truly matters. Second, we have to learn to, to give things to God. And last thing, if we're going to choose to surrender over control, then when we start struggling with that fear, that, that desire, that need for control, listen, we need to lead, lean into God's love for us. We need to lean into God's love for you. 1 John chapter 4 says this. He says, perfect love casts out fear. Did you hear that? Perfect love casts out fear. Then we were struggling with fear when we're struggling with control. Man, I would say we preach the gospel to ourselves. We remind ourselves of the love that God has shown us. You begin to say, well, what, what, what kind of love has God shown for me? Well, how's this? Despite the fact that God has seen you at your worst, despite the fact that God knows the worst about you, God chooses, God chooses to love you. God God chose to send his son, Jesus, to die on the cross in your place to adopt you as a son of God, as a daughter of God. Despite seeing us at our worst, he still chose us, the God of all creation, the God of, of, of the universe, he chose to set his love on us and gives us the ability to be his son and daughter. And when we recognize the, the depth of love that he has for us, now that gives us this, this amazing courage that we can listen to him, that we can trust him, that we can believe that he is for us and not against us that we can believe that he is working things out for our good and for his glory. When we recognize the depth of love that he has for us, John 3, 16. You know how much he loved you? He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross in your place. Let me just think about how many people have died for me. Um, Yeah, not many. But I have a savior who loved me enough Sent his son, own son to the cross in my place. That God prayed an incredible price to prove his love towards me. To prove his love towards you. To prove that we can not trust him. To prove that the things that we fear, the things that are so important to us. Listen, if he did that for you, don't you think he wants the best for you? When we struggle with control and fear. So we got to lean into God's love. Be reminded of the love that God has shown to us. Because when we are reminded of that love, listen, that's when we can listen to that verse with fresh ears. That we trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And not lean into our own understanding, but in all of our ways we could acknowledge Him. And all of our ways we could submit to Him. He will make straight our paths. That he will give us more of the good life, of his blessings. Listen, I love y'all. And I know that this has got to speak to some of us in this room. That so much of our life is filled with fear, anxiety, and worry, and control. And I'm praying, I'm praying for you praying that you'd be able to choose to surrender and not control. I'm praying that you'd have the strength to trust the Lord with all of your heart and not lean to your own understanding. I'm praying that we would wrestle with these things and, and man, we, we may have to spend a long, long time on our knees before God. Say, God, I, I need you to take this. God, I, I need to give this to you. That we'd begin to experience his peace experience the freedom of knowing that God is for us and not against us. That God is working things out for our good and for his glory. That he has a plan and a purpose to prosper us